And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 6, John chapter 6, and uh, let me, uh, while you're turning, let me, if you served yesterday, we had, as Scott said, about 50 people serving in the food distribution, just stand to your feet. I know we had some that were here in the first service, but those of you that served yesterday, let's just, let me just, but before we applaud these guys, let me tell you what they did. They not only had to go out to old, old to high road and unload an 18 trailer on the road, okay, we had to stop traffic and unload it. Some of them were pulling up, uh, Josh brought his truck up and we're filling up his truck full of product and Rich brought his trailer and we filled up his trailer and then we had guys with hand carts bringing it all on down. We gave away 840 four pound boxes of cold produce of milk, cheese, vegetables, meat, and fruit. Over 3,200 pounds of food. It was hot yesterday. Now let's give these guys a big hand of applause. We thank God for you. Amen. You did a great job. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as Scott said, we've got this stuff. I mean, this is Labor Day weekend. We want you to go have a party tomorrow, okay? So come and get some, some flour and you can have a fish fry. And uh, you can certainly get all the salsa you want and you get the chips and there's more chips over here. And you say, well, Pastor, why are these given away in the food pantry? It's because when people that are homeless come up and ask for food, this weighs way too much to give them. You know, we have to give them smaller sizes. And we're a little concerned about the expiration dates. So we need all of you to come and get all this stuff off the platform when service is over. Will you do that? Okay. Amen. Well, we've been in a series the series entitled, The Fight is Worth Fighting. We talked the first Sunday about fighting the good fight of faith. Then we talked last week about fighting through discouragement. Today we're going to talk about fighting through disappointment. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about fighting for your church. Your, work, your church is worth engaging in warfare and praying and seeking God for. Amen? Amen. That's for next week. Today we're talking about fighting through disappointment. And the truth is that every one of us has experienced disappointments. We've all expected that certain things were going to happen and then they didn't happen and we were hurt. People have disappointed us and we've disappointed other people. Amen. You know, uh, how many of you have struggled academically? Don't wait, raise your hand, but I can tell you, I, 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 I was not a very good student until my, about halfway through college. I determined I better learn how to study. And that was half the secret is just learning how to study. But I remember reading about uh, about Albert Einstein, who was a genius. Albert Einstein actually flunked his college entrance examination. Did you know that? And he was deeply disappointed. He was disappointed. I felt better when I learned that he had actually flunked it. But it hurt him. How many of you have ever been to Disney World? Most of you. Walt Disney was fired from his very first job at a newspaper. Think about it. who would fire Walt Disney? Mr. Creative. While Kathy and I lived in the Chicago area, we were privileged to attend some of the Chicago Bulls home games and to watch one of the greatest basketball players of all time play. His name was Michael Jordan. What a lot of people don't know is that when Michael Jordan was a freshman 
at Wilmington High School. He was in the ninth grade. He tried out for the varsity basketball team and he was cut. He was told, you don't have what it takes to play basketball at this level. Can you imagine that? Cutting Michael Jordan. How many know who Oprah Winfrey is? She's one of the broadcasting icons in America today. Oprah Winfrey started off in Baltimore, Maryland. She had a local television program and she had a talk show and the producers canceled her program. They said, you don't have what it takes to be an on-air television personality. Can you imagine that? It disappointed her. And you know, life is filled with disappointments. Life doesn't always play along. Life is unfair. Sometimes we lose jobs and sometimes we lose friendships and sometimes businesses go belly up and sometimes we even lose loved ones. And all of these things, they hurt us deeply. And dear ones, one of the things you've got to learn to do if you're going to be a healthy person is you're going to have to learn to work your way through grief. You're going to have to learn to work your way through pain sometimes and through suffering. See, the Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. In fact, in John chapter 6, verse 66, We read these words. This is out of the New Living Translation. It says at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Many. We don't know how many that was. We do know that when he fed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish, that he fed 5,000 men plus women and children. How many would say this is a pretty good sized church? Okay. When he fed the 4,000, it's still a whole lot of people. When he preached the Sermon on the Mount, there are so many folks that Jesus had to make them sit down and he used the, the mountainside behind him kind of as an amphitheater and he taught in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He had thousands and thousands of people, but one day people decided, we don't like the way Jesus is preaching. We don't like his sermon series. We're going to go to another church. Look what the verse says. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. He knew what rejection was. Jesus turned to the 12. This is how bad it was. He turned to the 12 disciples and he asked, are you also going to leave me? Are you going to leave too? And I love Simon Peter's response because Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. And we believe and we know that you're the Holy One of God. Dear ones, at some point in time in your life, you've got to come to the place where you say, Lord, to whom can I go? You've got the words to eternal life. I believe and know you're the Holy One of God. You're the way, you're the source, the force, and the course. You're the way, the truth, and the life. You are the Messiah. You are my King. You are my Lord. You're coming back again on a white horse. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you until my dying day. Somebody say hallelujah. But that came when everybody had left Jesus. The Messiah was a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. That's the reason Jesus feels it when you're disappointed. He feels your pain. The Bible says he's touched by the feelings of our infirmities. That's the reason that you and I can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. You know, when we suffer major disappointments, there are four questions that we usually ask. We may not ask these, we may not write them down, but they're questions, they're things that are going on inside us in our heart. 
Let me try to flush this out for you. The first question we sometimes ask when we're majorly disappointed is this. Number one, did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong? It's a question that, that deals with guilt. Is, a, is there sin in my life? Did, I, did this bad thing happen because somehow it's my fault? I remember a, a lady saying one time that when she was eight years of age, her mother unexpectedly passed away. She went to school in the morning, and when she came home that night, her mom was gone. And she said the predominant emotion she felt as an eight-year-old was guilt. She felt like somehow, some way, it was her fault that her mother passed away. That happens a lot to children. Sometimes it happens to adults. The devil does not play fair, I'm telling you. This woman is struggling with guilt. She said she felt guilty when she cried, and she felt guilty when she didn't cry. She says she felt guilty when she tried to talk to her brothers and sisters about her mom and they didn't want to talk about her. And she says she felt guilty when her dad started dating other women. And a year or two went by and her dad remarried and she says she felt guilty at her dad's marriage. And she felt guilty when she came home and she started liking her stepmother. And she said she grew up and as an adult she came to faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And she said she was introduced to this word of God. And she said she fell in love with God's word. And one day she was reading Romans chapter 8 verse 1, which says, There is therefore now no condemnation. There's no guilt for those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And she said she read it once and she read it twice and she she read it three times and the more she read it she began to speak it out loud and that spirit of guilt that had been on her since she was eight years of age it began to lift off let me tell you something somebody said pain is a filler but guilt is a killer don't you allow guilt to run you around don't you allow guilt to find a place to deposit itself down in your emotions you need to say no Mr. Guilt I may have not done everything right but I've asked for forgiveness and Jesus has forgiven me and whom the son has set free is free indeed and you may try to bring up my past but I'm going to bring up your future in Jesus name hallelujah glory to God the second question we sometimes grapple with when major disappointment sets, free, sets in is this did I not have enough faith if I had believed God more if I had studied God's word more if I had prayed more you know, I'll tell you a phrase people like. They like to say, pray hard. People call me sometimes and say, somebody's in trouble, Pastor. Pray hard. Pray real hard for him. I don't know that the Bible never tells us that it's hard praying that gets the answer. The Bible says it's faith. It's a faith. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. It's faith-filled praying. But sometimes the old devil will come to you after a major loss and he'll say, see there, you didn't exercise enough faith. He's a liar and the truth's not any. There's a third question that we sometimes ask and the question is why? Why did this happen? If God, if you're a good God, why did this happen? It's a question that deals with confusion. And then finally, the fourth question is this. We don't say it aloud sometimes, but sometimes we think it. We ask ourselves, can I ever trust God again? 
Am I ever going to be able to, to trust him? It's a question that deals with fear. And this morning, I want us to deal with the third question. That third question, can you put it back up there? It's why. Why did this happen? Every single one of you have been through heartache. Every single one of you have been through major times of disappointment. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them. Come on, you do a better job with me. Many may be the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them. How often does he deliver us out of them all? I remember, I remember doing a, a study on that word all in the Greek. And guess what it means? It means all. Many may be the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. Who does he deliver? He delivers the one who says, God, you're my refuge and strength. You are a very present help in time of trouble. Jesus, I remember Hebrews chapter 13 says, you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. What is man that I'm afraid of him? I'm not going to be afraid of him. You are with me. He delivers us out of them all. But nonetheless, we still have life to live, don't we? We still have to get up in the morning and we have to go to work and we have to pay our bills and we've got to deal with the affairs of life. Our oldest daughter, Terry, that was on staff with us for 12 years. She was a little older when she married Paul and Paul was a little older than he wanted to be at the time. And they decided they came to Kathy and I said, we're not going to wait to have children. We want to have children as quickly as we can. And some of you remember Terry got pregnant and Kathy and I went with her for the ultrasound and it turned out to be a boy. And we were so excited because we've got a boy in, in North Carolina, Braden Jones. He's 11 years old now, but I don't get to see Braden as often as I'd like to see him. And we were so excited about having a boy that was going to be here in Tallahassee. I never had a boy. I had three girls. All my quarterbacks turned out to be cheerleaders. <laughs> I was so excited. And Terry has told you the story. She ended up going into labor prematurely and the baby was born stillborn or he was stillborn. Kathy and I were with the kids up at the women's pavilion at Tallahassee Memorial Hospital. The nurses cleaned him up and put him in baby clothes and brought him back to Paul and Terry. And Kathy and I left just to give them time with the baby. And they spent a couple of hours just holding him and crying and praying and thinking about heaven. And then they called and asked Kathy and I to come in and we came and joined them and Kathy got to hold her stillborn grandson and she wept and then I got to hold him and I wept and I remember just holding that little fella and thinking, God, we had such plans. Oh, we were going to go four wheeling. Oh man, we we're going to fish and I was even going to hunt with him. We were going to play ball and so many things. Some people have been through this. Kelly and Terry have been through this, haven't they? Some of you have been through this. Sometimes it just seems like we can't do anything but ask why. Why did this happen? Remember when Kathy's daddy 
He passed away 14 years ago and Kathy had been in North Carolina with him. He had suffered from cancer and Kathy had been with him and she's getting ready to come to Tallahassee. But she said, Terrell, before I come back, I'm going to talk to the doctors and ask him how long dad has. And the doctors told her, said he's got two to three months minimum, two to three months minimum. So we're thinking, well, that, that could be four to six months, perhaps. Kathy got on a plane and came back to Tallahassee. And three days later, she gets a call saying, Kathy, dad just passed away. It was in the middle of the night and I heard Kathy on the phone saying, no, no, it's not supposed to be this way. She had just been formulating questions that she wanted to ask her dad. No. What do we do when life doesn't play along? What do we do when things are going on not the way we drew them up? I think about my own mom. The last seven or eight years of her life, she suffered from Alzheimer's and dementia. Not many people know this, but on several occasions, mom would get up in the morning and she would get dressed. And about 1030, she'd come up here to church. Sometimes it'd be Monday or sometimes it'd be Wednesday and sometimes it'd be Thursday or Friday. But she'd come to church because she thought it was Sunday and she wanted to know where everybody was. There's one Sunday morning that she knew it was Sunday and she got dressed and she came to church. But bless her heart, she couldn't find the front door. She forgot where the front door was. She's only been in here about a million times. But she couldn't find the front door. And somebody, one of our ushers or security people, found her out in the north parking lot wandering around. And they brought her into church. And so Kathy and I got her home after service that day. And when it was her time to go home to heaven... She was in Big Ben Hospice and it was Saturday and Kathy and I knew that she only had a few hours left and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I'm not going to go to church tomorrow. Terry's going to preach. It's Mother's Day. He says, well, son, if your mother had had any one wish is that you would be in the house of the Lord because she's so proud of you. I said, what, what if she dies while we're in church? It was Mother's Day 2017. Dad said, well, she'll be the first one to tell Jesus, hey, that's my boy down there. Look at Evangel this morning. That's my boy. All during service that morning, I was having a hard time keeping my mind on the service. I was thinking about my mom. And as soon as we ended with a, Terry finished preaching, I called all the ladies down for, front. And we all prayed for our mothers and our wives and our females and thank God for them. Amen. But then Kathy and I jumped in the car and went over to Big Ben Hospice and we walked in the door and they said, well, it's been about 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes ago, mom passed away. It's not the way I wanted to draw it up. All of you know that just a couple of months ago, we said goodbye to dad and had to have a COVID-19 funeral where you're not supposed to have more than 10 people. He had been planning his funeral for, for years I, had, I had, had reams of paper just the way he wanted. I was supposed to fly in the speaker from Oklahoma City. Errol Stafford was going to sing. Uh, this was going to happen. That was going to happen. We we're going to have overflow seating. I mean, he had it all just planned out, but we weren't, weren't able to do it. Darren, what do you do when life doesn't play along? What do you do when disappointment sets in? Well, Kathy and I have discovered some verses of Scripture that we've been able to stand on. The Bible says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. What does that mean? You're standing on 
the Word of God. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. In fact, let me, this is the New Living Translation. Let me read this to you out of the New King James Version. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Look at it again. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Okay, he's making two points in this verse. There are some things that we're not going to understand on this earth. Some things are secret things. Some things we're not going to understand till we get to to heaven. But he says there are other things that are revealed to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. And when you and I experience a major disappointment, you and I've got to choose what am I going to focus on? Am I going to focus on what I don't understand or am I going to focus on what I do understand? Years ago, I had a friend that took his life. I couldn't figure it out, man. The guy had everything to live for. He had a beautiful wife, children, a good job, a nice house. Looked like he was living up the dream. And he ups and takes his life. Who can figure that? And dear ones, I discovered that the more I pondered it and the more I questioned it and the more I asked why, the more confused and the more despondent I became. But when I started to focus on the things that I do understand, see, you can go through life and you can ponder the secret things which belong only to the Lord. And dear ones, you could ponder yourself into an early grave. Don't, don't, don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. You could ponder yourself into a state of depression. Or you can focus on the things you do know. It says, there are things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. You know, I remember just going and looking in the mirror and saying, I am persuaded that God loves you, Terrell Todd. I haven't always been bald. <laughs> but I was losing hair at that point. I said, God loves every hair you're losing. He's got it counted. I looked in the mirror and said, Terrell Todd, God is doing a good work in your life. And the one who started a good work is going to bring it to completion until the day of Christ. I don't know if you talk to yourself, but you need to. I don't know if you look in the mirror. You need to look in the mirror and say, look at who God loves today. Come on. I'm not talking. I'm not preaching this for the person next to you. I'm preaching it for you. You need to know who you are and what you've got in Christ. I had to start focusing on who I am in Christ, not on the sorrow that this man's family was going on. Because let's admit it, when somebody takes your life, it makes all of us feel sad. It makes us all feel a degree of guilt, like I should have said something, I should have done something. But here's the truth, you can't control what another person is going to do. And if you're a control freak, let me just, just give you just a little bit of help here. Control is an illusion. You may think you're empowered with control, but you're really not. You just need to trust God. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I just believe that there are times that we just need to come to the place that we say, God, I don't understand what I'm walking through. God, I don't understand this difficulty. God, I don't understand why things are so hard. 
But Lord, you're the glory and you're the lifter of my head and my eyes look towards the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You're working on my behalf and you're going to pull this thing together. Another scripture that Kathy and I have stood on over the years and continue to is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, which says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am also known. Now we look through a glass darkly or through a mirror dimly, but then face to face. See, dear ones, as much as I would like to know everything about everything. Anybody have got an inquiring mind? Come on. As much as we would like to know everything about everything, about everything, about everything. Dear ones, on this earth, there are some things we're not going to know. We're not going to know some things till we get to heaven. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding. Dear ones, trust is of the heart, not of the head. You can trust God with your heart sometimes when confusion tries to assault your head. But he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and not on your own understanding. Because if, if, if we always knew under everything with our understanding, we wouldn't need to trust God with our heart. But he says, you instead trust God with all your heart. How do you do that? Well, the best way I know to trust God is to find a promise in his word. Find a promise and stand on that promise. There's a promise that I've stood on Hundreds, maybe thousands of times. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.24, which says, Faithful is he that has called you, who will also bring it to pass. Faithful is he that has called you. And dear ones, what that means is that when the nitty gritty gets going and it gets going tough and difficult, you say, God, I count you faithful because you're faithful and faithful is he that has called me who's going to pull this thing together. Faithful is the God that's working in my life that's going to make a difference for me. Okay, so that's where you start trusting in the Lord. But then look at verse six. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge me. And I will direct your path in all your ways. See, acknowledging God is not just something we do on Sunday morning when we come to church. This is certainly a major part of acknowledging God. But acknowledging God is what you do every morning when you get up and you say, good morning, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you for loving me. I thank you that you're working on my behalf. Acknowledging God is what you do when you go into Walmart and somebody acts snarly towards you. You just say, God bless you. I'm going to acknowledge God in all my ways. Hallelujah. Acknowledging God is something you, when you're doing your shopping and you, you see you could pay seven bucks for, for one item or you could pay four for it over here. You say, no, I'm, going to, I'm going to put the seven buck item down. I'm going to get the four dollar thing. I'm going to put it in my basket. Hallelujah. Lord, I acknowledge you. I thank you that you're giving me wisdom. And I thank you in all my ways, I acknowledge you and you're directing my path. And let's be honest. There's times that our own understanding is just insufficient. Our own understanding is going to be limited in this life and world. Another scripture that Kathy and I stand on on a regular basis is Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. I know you love it as well. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Everybody say everything. I want you to shout it. Everything. everything. But in everything by prayer and petition. Say prayer and petition. Prayer and petition. With thanksgiving. 
Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Dear ones, he says, there's a peace that God will give you that will transcend your understanding. It'll transcend this gray matter. This gray matter can be all discombobulated. This gray matter can be all confused. But God says, I want to give you a peace that surpasses understanding, that transcends understanding. And here's what he says, it will guard your hearts and your minds. I'm telling you, the peace of God will protect your heart and mind from confusion and condemnation and the works of hell. But how is that started? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Dear ones, you need to have a prayer life. You need to have a prayer life that's more than God bless me and my family and give us a good day. Amen. Over and out. See you tomorrow. You need to have a prayer life of intimacy with God. What I've learned to do over the years is I'll take a, a hand towel. And if I can't find a hand towel, I'll take a bath towel. Kathy's always asking, where are my towels? I lay them down on the carpet. I've done it thousands of times right over here on your left-hand side. I put that towel out and I put my face in that towel and I lay there before God and I call it my carpet time. Sometimes I feel like I'm sucking carpet. Romans 8 says, we don't know how to pray like we should, but the Spirit prays through us with groanings too deep for words. And I'll say, Holy Spirit, you come and pray through me because I don't know how to pray right now. But you come and pray through me with groanings too deep for words. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to groan through my lips. I give you permission to move upon my heart. I give you permission to cry through my eyes. I permission, you, you, you've got some people you're concerned about today. I don't know who they are, but I believe you're going to put them on my heart. You've got some things you want to have done today, Holy Spirit. I table my agenda and I want to know what your agenda is. And I just, I'm not trying to pray for five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 or 20 minutes. I'm just trying to pray until I've connected with God because the old saints used to call it praying through. You pray until you know you've connected with the Lord. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding guards your hearts and minds. You know, when we have a disappointment, everybody hear me, I'm, I'm going to wind down with this. When you suffer disappointment in life, it's important don't ask the why question. I've never gotten any place with God asking the why question. What's helped me is when I start to ask what. Not why. Everybody say, not why. But what. What do I do now, God? My grandson is in heaven. What do I do now to help my kids? My mom just went to heaven. What do I do now, God? What steps should I take to get on with the future? What does God have to say in his word to comfort me? Lead me and guide me, Holy Spirit. God, what's your plan for my life? I'm telling you, God is faithful. You know, I've talked to scuba divers. Any scuba divers in here this morning? Anybody at all? We had a scuba diver in the first service. Scuba divers say that sometimes that when they dive 
deep enough, they can get into absolute black waters, dark waters. And this is certainly true of what are called spelunkers, those that go into caves underwater. They say it gets so dark sometimes that you can't see your hand in front of your face. And it's real easy for a scuba diver to get disoriented and to get turned upside down and not know which end is up. And tragically, there are many scuba divers that die because they think they're going for the surface, but they're actually swimming in the wrong direction and they give out of oxygen. What the skilled scuba divers say is that if you find yourself disoriented and you find yourself in total darkness in the water, that what you do is you reach out and you feel for the bubbles. Because the bubbles are always going to rise to the surface. And they said, follow the bubbles. One man said that he's just about panicked because he couldn't see anything and he didn't know which end was up. He was totally disoriented. And he felt for the bubbles and he didn't feel any bubbles going this way. And he thought, oh no, I'm not headed towards the surface. And so he felt on his left side and on his right side he didn't feel any bubbles and he finally kind of inverted himself and he started feeling bubbles that were going this direction and he realized that he was totally inverted totally disoriented and he made his way to the surface well here's the deal here's the application there are times in life my word you can be left feeling totally disoriented You can feel like the life has just kicked you in the head and you don't know which way is up and you don't know quite what to do. And I'm telling you, you just need to go to the word of God because his words a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And you just need to spend some time in God's word. You know, the Barna research people tell us that the average pastor of a medium to large sized congregation is told off about once a month. I wish that wasn't true. But it happens, and I'll tell you, even even in this COVID environment, it's gotten worse. People are on edge today a whole lot more. One Sunday morning, I'd been told off in a big way right after church. This person waited till everybody else had left, and which was probably good, but didn't make me feel any better. And I just I didn't say anything. I, a lot of things across my mind that I could say. I worked at making sure my hands didn't make a fist. I just tried to stay calm, be like Jesus, turn the other cheek. But I went home and I was one frustrated puppy. I was hurting on the inside. The devil used those kind of things to try to disorient you, get you off track. It's so important that we learn to feel for the bubbles. I went to God's Word and spent the whole afternoon in Psalm 70 through 80, reading them again and again and again and again. And I stayed in God's word. You know, Jesus said, you're clean because of the word that I've spoken unto you. I stayed in God's word until I felt like I'd just taken a bath. And all the residue of that person's anger and frustration and animosity just began to, to wash off. Hallelujah. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. 
And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.